Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collywobbles just thinking about it. On this episode, the Chili Crew is going to be talking about the first chapter in the book of Exodus, and a little bit about the history to start off with. Guys, there's this uh, long $10 word that starts with a P, ends with an H. Um, Pentateuch, uh, what, who can pronounce it and what does it mean? Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Five books of the Bible. <laughs> first five, yep. yeah. All right, so this was written back in 1446, 1406 BC, and it's written to the Israelites as like a history of sorts, where it, it continues the account of the patriarchal descendants of the Israelites, who are like Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, all those people. When you think of Exodus that we're getting ready to jump into, you know, what's one of the big ones that pop out, you know, one of the big uh, stories or cool parts of Exodus that uh, jumps out to you when you think of Exodus? That guy. Definitely Moses. He, I think, would be, if we could say, is the main human character in this story. I think the most intriguing thing about Moses is the fact that a lot of people don't understand he did not like public speaking. He was very drawn back. Even though he was trained as a pharaoh and all this other stuff, he did not like public speaking. And he was actually not the most prominent type of person you would find in the position God put him in. And so when I look at Moses, I see all the stuff that he did in this book, and I think, wow, he was completely out of his comfort zone. He was not doing what he would have been comfortable doing, but yet God used him in every aspect of the way. And to me, that that shows, that gives me hope that God will be able to use me in those same areas in some way that I might not be comfortable doing it, but God can still use me. And I know a lot of people don't maybe think about that type of stuff, <laughs> but to me, that's the most prominent thing I think about Moses because in the beginning we read about who he was and his personality and the fact that he couldn't speak real well, but yet even though his training he was the one that said it, Correct. but I, I'm not great of speech, but he said that after everything he went through. Right. He said it way 40 years after he was humbled by God. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know if he started that way, but we know when he came into his, if I can say ministry, <laughs> <laughs> Amen. if he came into his ministry, he, he himself was like, whoa, when I'm not this, a, I'm not this guy. When he was approached by the mini tree. The mini tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on fire. I have a question. Shoot. 
So this is going to blow this whole thing out of proportion. Sweet. I understand. Go for it. But uh, I feel like this is a spoiler, and I am not prepared for this. A spoiler? Yeah. Like, you guys are dropping hints, doing spoilers. Like, okay. I went into Genesis just completely <laughs> open, and now you guys are just like, hey, there's a tree, there's a burning bush, and this one No, guy and that's okay. This. That's what's going to give this the unique uh, perspective. It really well, will. There's so many awesome things. Yeah, there really book. is. Yeah, it's yeah. just really cool. I the the story of Exodus is to me a an exciting story because it's oh. so much fun. Susanna, go ahead. Oh, I see that hand. <laughs> I want to yeah zoom back out. Exodus, like what that word means is the way out or um, going out, right? So it's the great way out the way great going out diving into like a specific person or a specific story but the the big overarching huge theme of exodus is starting to to explain to us the story of how god redeems his people how he leads them out of slavery how he saves saves them and how he plans on restoring them like it's it's the whole story and or at least the some of the main beginning parts of the story and and it's amazing we see paul using all of these stories in exodus metaphorically to describe things that jesus did or to describe things that god is doing and in jeremiah it says that there will one day be an even greater exodus where no one is going to be talking about you know, no one's going to be talking about when I led you guys out of Egypt. We're going to be talking about how I gathered you guys from the entire world and, you know, led you to safety, led you back to the land. This is a pattern that just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger throughout time. Going to be so exciting to go through and break it down, go through all the stories and see, you know, what are the bigger pictures there that are being painted. That, and there's actually a misnomer uh, about this story of Exodus. Cause so like, let, let me rewind just a little bit. And I, I have uh, up here, uh, biblehistory.com. If you guys want to get some details on some of this, a lot of people think that Israel was actually enslaved for what, what, what was the, the prophecy? It was 400 years. They'll be out of their land, right? 400. I can't see that. Genesis fifteen thirteen. God said to Abram, Know this, your descendants will leave as outsiders in a land that are not theirs. They'll be enslaved and beaten down for 400 years. Right. That's why. Thank you, Tom. Boom. (laughs) Thank you, Sully. Thank you, Sully. Yeah, Sully called it. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people think, well, they were actually in full slavery for that that 400-year span of time. that, That time was when Joseph pulled them in. During that seven years of famine, that's when the clock basically started and they were favored. And that's one thing that, that kind of blew me away. I'm like, I always thought it was 400 years they were in slavery because that's what everybody always told me. But it, it's actually not. They, they actually had, I don't know, probably about 100, 150 years of peace with e- Egypt eventually become enslaved by, by their, their own neighbors, actually. Uh, but that, that I, was, I always thought was great because... It's, it's a tradition that we're always taught, and I love those. You guys ever have those aha moments? Those, wow, I've been taught this my whole, to- my whole life, and then I finally read in Scripture that this is the truth. 
And I've had a lot of those in Exodus. That's why this book to me, to me is, is, is really special. This is where the covenant between God and Israel had established a relationship in which Israel was identified as God's holy nation. Through wholehearted commitment and obedience to God, the Israelites were to reflect in their pattern of living that they were God's people. The Decalogue, the priesthood, and their tabernacle were provided for their guidance towards the realization of this goal. What is the Decalogue? Well, it is the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. (laughs) Fantastic. Good job, Susanna. I can't wait till we get to that part of the story. So the ten, the ten Commandments that God gave everybody. Yeah, and then they they cross the Red Sea, and there's a whole bunch of really cool parts that. Uh, oh no, that's gonna be another. Oh, that's gonna be another episode of. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be fun. It is. Okay, so so we just we just had a live cast, and I know I know we're do, doing a podcast. We just had a live cast where somebody was asking or, or had concerns. We'll we'll just put it this way about the validity of the Bible. The interesting thing is, is in Exodus. In Exodus, it's one of those books that has that still has evidence of the Bible today. Right. Like Tom just talked about the Red Sea. You can dive down into the Red Sea and look of the evidence of what happened there. Right. Ooh, um, the Susanna, and Susanna you just talked about Moses when he smacked that rock. Guess what? That rock is still there. And <laughs> you can see the evidence for it there. Um, you, we're talking about the mountain where God gave the Ten Commandments. Guess what? That mountain is still there. You can look it up on Google Maps. And, and it's there's a, so much archaeological evidence there of what happened and of, of, of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And just it's it's And that's the the wild thing is is you take other uh, historical documents, the other other works, literary works that are assumed to have credibility and you look at how much time was spent between like between when they were written and when they were published there's a lot longer of a time period but we still accept these works as being factual as being you know as being credible might be a better word where with the bible you have such a short period of time that you know in that period in that time frame there was not enough time for myth and mythology to be born out of what happened there just wasn't and the unfortunate truth is that a lot of these are looked at as these giant gaping time periods happening that have you know that that are rife to to poke holes in and to say oh all of this time uh passed and everything but when you look at it from a a historical point of view before you look at everything that happens in history that lends to the credibility of the bible you look at it from the point of view of not it's it's impossible for stories to have passed on and passed on and passed on and to be exaggerated and to be built upon, um, especially in that time period, in that culture where information just didn't pass as fast as it did, as it does today. 
And I think you said it correct about this, this book in particular. And if we think about it this way, as a historical book, Tom, you mentioned that as well. If we look at this from a historical perspective, not just a story of the Exodus, but a historical story of the Exodus. And if we actually take that into perspective, as we're looking through this book, it is that to me is what really brings this book to life because we're not talking about a fictional character. We're not talking about a fictional time frame. We're talking about real people in history and real places and real things. And if you just stop and comprehend that side of it, it will bring this book and this story right out into life. And when you take into context some of the things that Justin likes to look at and goes over, it's like, oh, this is so much fun. Um, It is a blast to look at the Bible and to read it and to think about these things in the context and where they were and what happened and, and who these people were. These are real people in our history. You know, this is our story as believers. And our story is continuing. If the Bible were to be continually written, we would be in this. And that's what's exciting about this because this is our our history now as believers. We look back on this and go, this is this is why we believe. And oh, I love the Exodus Joe? is exciting. It's this is a, a prime example of the power of taking topics and cross-referencing them with historical evidence. Like we talked about in the live stream, if you try and take the entirety of the Bible in one giant bite, you are going to have a lot harder of a time. But when you look at these individual events, like what Justin was talking about before, like what Mike was talking about, like, what Tom was talking about, where you can point to very specific people, very specific events, very specific time periods, you can see that history backs what the Bible is saying. I I have an interesting point of view here because though though I've poked and prodded in the individual sections, this was my first major trip through the old Testament was perpetuated by the show by (laughs) listening to this show and having this show kickstart this urge to go from cover to cover. And I successfully went from cover to cover. When you look at this, you can see this is the building blocks. This is the stuff that everybody, you know, modern day Christians want to point to the New Testament and say, this is the important part. Because of Jesus, this is the important part. The rest of the stuff you can kind of forget. But but the reality is, is that this is the foundational stuff that the entirety of scripture is built upon. And like Mike was saying, when you take these, when you take these people, when you take these topics, you can literally see a glimpse into the history of the church, into the history of God's people. And you can look at this and say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, because if we're going to take these different modes of credibility as reasonable, then we have to also take them 
as reasonable when you're talking about scripture unfortunately it's kind of a sliding scale sometimes <laughs> with a lot of people like you don't want to take the same things we call reasonable in other areas if you look at that you can see a glimpse into historical figures that matter into people to go back to what mike was saying imperfect people people that were not this this is a guy we're, we're talking about predominantly a lot of these a lot of these stories are going to be focused around moses and this is a guy that one of the first times that you see him is when he's killing somebody right yeah and then yeah. you're and then and then not long thereafter you're talking about a guy who's like whoa wait 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 i can't do that i can't i'm not an eloquent speaker i'm not this i'm not that how many of us have been in that similar situation i have a speech impediment and i host two podcasts are you serious you know what i mean and, and let alone overcoming brother that i do hmm? i said overcoming right so so it's a beautiful thing when when you stop trying to compartmentalize and you look at this through the entirety of the lens of history so many doors start to open up and it becomes this beautiful landscape of events amen amen susanna said something awesome when you brought up susanna uh peter uh, no i'm sorry paul when paul referenced Jesus and compared Jesus to Israel during the Exodus, you just find these things and these moments in Jesus' life that are directly in comparison with what happened to Israel because eventually Jesus is actually called by many names, but the son of God, he's, he's also called uh, the second Adam at one point. And, and then later on, there's these other parallels. And we talked about this several episodes about these parallels about him, the lamb, yep. the lamb. Right. And, and, and the whole temple ceremony, it's just, these parallels are great. Another, another story in Exodus is when the, the serpent was lifted up. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and even it, Jesus said, when, if Testament. I am high and lifted up, all men will look unto me. It's just, I mean, there's, there's, oh. there's so much in Exodus that makes just so many pointed things. And Paul right. and several of the apostles referred back to these, these happenings in Exodus over and, and over and, and, and over. that's what right. they used to help Israel understand. Cause Israel was one of those cultures that looked back on history to get their information. And so these references back were awesome. I think more than that is that, you know, the Hebrew mindset, you know, they didn't necessarily, I've said this before, but they didn't necessarily see things linear. They saw a pattern. They saw things in patterns. So yeah. they saw the importance of looking back at a past event because they knew that that was a current event and they knew that that was going to be a future event and they knew that it was going to come around again. So the more familiar you are with it, the more you're going to recognize the signs and you're going to see the deeper meanings, deeper implications. So you mean to tell me there's a cloudy, it's cloudy and a possible chance of meatballs and dragons are going to be in this story? <laughs> yes. Just you wait. That's exactly what we're saying. That's it. That's it. I'm just saying, like, I'm going to throw out little things just to make it funny. And yeah. Hey, cloudy with a chance of oh, meatballs. No. Yes. Uh, food rained down from heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, you're a 30 second Reader's Digest version of Exodus. <laughs> and that's a Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be in Leviticus next week. <laughs> 
Now, the cool part of uh, Exodus, it was mentioned earlier that it means departure or exit in Greek. This is translated from the Greek Old Testament. It also occurs in the New Testament in Luke 9, Hebrews 11, 2 Peter. And the Exodus fittingly identifies the greatest miracles in Israel's Old Testament history. Alright, so let's jump right into this. Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, verse 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob. Each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom. They built Pithom and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter and harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to, to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua. When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on, on the, the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered, Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. (laughs) (laughs) So God was was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because of the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. "Every Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw him into the Nile, but let every girl live. Wow, it took so much courage, I'm sure, for the midwives to do that. I mean, they just openly defied the direct order from right. the king. And also, I, I see a detail here that I, I think needs to be pointed out, is that Pharaoh gave the command not to his army, not to his soldiers, not to his guards. He said to all of his people. So in other words, he sent the entire nation, apparently, of... Egypt to basically pitted them against Israel. Part of the agreement, uh, and we find this on tablets that we find historically, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. So historically, they found tablets that were uh, when Israel came here and his family. So when Imhotep's family, I'll say, or Joseph's family came to Egypt, one of the agreements was 
all of Joseph's family would never pay taxes, and they were given the land for free. And one of the arguments of why the Pharaoh went against Israel was not because they were growing in numbers and da da da. It was it was the fact that there were so many, and they were growing in numbers, and they were not paying taxes to Pharaoh. It all had to come. It all came back to money that Pharaoh was not being paid by these people. And so obviously then, you know, scripture tells us what the rest of the story, which is, you know, he sent people against them and they went in there and they tried to kill their people. And how courageous, like Susanna was saying, were these midwives to stand up to the Pharaoh and, you know, call his incompetence to his face saying, they just gave birth too quick, too quick. I thought it was funny in the, in the King James, it says that they're lively. The women were lively and, you know, where's it? What verse was it? It was, uh. Yeah, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in to unto them. So <laughs> they, they already had the kid before we walked in the door. So anyway, this was I think this was an awesome intro because right now we're ending off with this this horrible thing of killing all the babies, right? Again, again, there's been a command to kill babies. What is with this in scripture? There's several times that we see kings making this command. So we're going to end off there, dun, 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 and then so enters Moses next time. So uh, would somebody like to lead out in a word of prayer, please? Absolutely. All right. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful time that we had here today. Thank you for us being able to start off the book of Exodus and help us to think about it and and learn more about it even though we've read it several times uh and lord i pray you would help those that haven't read it to be able to learn and grow from it and again thank you so much for these believers and for this podcast and i pray you just continue to bless this situation in this in this podcast and these people in your name we pray amen amen amen, amen. well this has been justin this has been tom this has been sully this has been mike joe and this is Susanna. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to speaking to you next time. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. Also, each week, Biblical Chili goes live on YouTube. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere, and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe, who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most of them probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few.
We love you.